And it has been an amazing day already, and God is working. And I pray that he's working in you. If he's not, it's your fault. <laughs> That's the truth, because he's working. And so let him work in you. Amen? Amen. It is Palm Sunday, and Palm Sunday... Uh, if all this is new to you, Palm Sunday is a celebration of the day in which Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And he entered into Jerusalem, uh, we would call it the beginning of Passion Week or Holy Week, and that he was headed to the cross. And there's a lot of things that happened during this week. And I would encourage you to read through the scriptures this week. Every day, spend some time reflecting on what was going on in the life of Christ leading up to the cross. Uh, I want to uh, read the passage about uh, Palm Sunday in Matthew chapter 21. Jesus is telling his disciples they've, they, they've been ministering in the Galilee region in the northern part of Israel, but they come to Jerusalem to worship uh, in preparation for the Passover. And so uh, he tells his disciples, go get a donkey he, and, and they don't know why, and they don't know where, but he says, you're going to see this, and they see that, and he said, you get that donkey, and they might protest, but you say such and such, and, and they do, and it all goes down just exactly as Jesus said it would. Verse 6, so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the coat and laid their clothes on them and set him on them, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna. Amen. Hosanna means save now. Hosanna to the son of David. The son of David is a reference to his kingship as Messiah. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now, his, the, people would just worship it. They just busted out in spontaneous worship. They're worshiping Jesus, and they're laying their clothes down. They're laying their branches down. Almost like It's essentially rolling out the red carpet. We don't even want you touching dirt. And they just bust out in worship. And you know, in another gospel, the, the, the Pharisees, say, they say, Jesus, tell your disciples to quit all this. And he says, if they quit worshiping, the rocks will cry out. Yeah. <laughs> it was such a charged environment. That, that, that somebody going to worship, amen? I hope that you wasn't a rock this morning, that you, you didn't get a chance to cry out because the worshipers were worshiping. I pray that you worshiped this morning because it was, man, what a glorious time it's already been. Now, verse 10, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Amen? So there's such as, and, and, and I know the road that he took. We walk it. We'll actually be there next month walking this road. And, and I know this, this road, and it's like you can see from the city this parade coming down this road. This, uh, and so here's this, this procession, and the city is already in a celebratory uh, spirit. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. But, but then they see this parade coming. And they're, they're worshiping this one guy, and they're like, what's this all about? Who, who is this? And look at what verse 11 says. So the multitude said, this is Jesus. I'm glad they got his name right. The prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They, had, they, had, they were partially correct, but they were incomplete in their knowledge. 
They were incomplete in their knowledge. They said, he's the prophet. Well, can I just tell you, he's way more than just a prophet. He's way more than that. And, and, and just, we've been talking each week on things that you need to know about Jesus. This is week three. Things you need to know about Jesus. The things that you know about Jesus and what you do with what you know will determine whether you go to heaven or hell. It is that vitally important. And so if I have your attention now, I'm going to say this one more time. The things that you know, knowledge, and what you do with what you know, a choice, will determine if you go to heaven or hell. And so we've talked each week on the things that you need to know. In the first week, we talked about the virgin birth. It is essential that you know that he was born of a virgin. Why is that essential? Because if he was not born of a virgin, he would not be sinless. If he was not sinless, then he would not be the atoning sacrifice for you. If he's not the atoning sacrifice for you, you have no salvation. If you have no salvation, there's no hope for heaven. It's essential to believe in the virgin birth. Number two, the virtuous life. That he lived a sinless, sin-free, perfect life. He, he, he was a man, and yet he would not sin. The Bible says in Hebrews that he was tempted in every way such as we are, yet without sin. It was virtuous in that it was sin-free, but it was also virtuous that he was full of virtue. Full, every, every positive virtue known to man, he was full of them. He was full of virtue. And then today, we're going to throw a big word in there, one that you're going to need to memorize, his vicarious death vicarious death. I, I, don't, I don't use that on a normal basis unless I'm talking about Jesus. And so there's going to be these five things that we're going to teach you that you're going to, I pray you, you memorize these five. They're not hard. That's why they all start with a V. I won't make it as easy as I can. That, that when someone says, what, what's, what's this Jesus business? Well, let me tell you who he is. Not who he was, who he is, because he still is. Amen. Let me tell you who he is. Jesus was born of a virgin. Jesus lived a virtuous life. He died a vicarious death. And then next Sunday, we're going to celebrate his victorious resurrection. Amen. Amen. And then I'll tell you what number five is later. All right. So who is this? They said, it's Jesus. He's a prophet. Well, I'm glad they knew who he was, but they didn't know completely who he was. They didn't know enough. And maybe you came in here knowing something but did you know enough? And then have you made a decision with the knowledge that you do have? So today is Palm Sunday, and what we're actually celebrating, again, is Jesus coming into the city. But the city was already in celebration when he came into it. And the thing that's going down in the nation of Israel at that very moment was that it was the day in which each family was bringing into their household a lamb. They were bringing in the lamb that they would examine and on Passover day, they would sacrifice that lamb, but they would have to bring the lamb into the household to make sure this was a fitting sacrifice. If it was flawed, if it was injured, if it had any kind of a, a, a flaw to it whatsoever, it was not a fitting sacrifice. But that would bring that lamb into their house. This is dangerous because your kids are going to name it. And now it's become a pet because it's now sleeping in their in their house with them and it's their family pet. And you know, I, I, I've determined, I think that's exactly what God wanted. Yeah. And that when they would kill it, they would fill it. Yeah. 
that their heart kind of had a little connection there to that lamb. Jesus comes into the city on the exact same day. And, and, and you know, I love, I love just connecting all the dots in the scripture. I get so excited connecting the dots in the scripture. I want you to look with me in John chapter one. Now we're talking about Palm Sunday and that is the, the, the end of Jesus's ministry. But let's look at what happened at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. He ministered in about a three-year uh, span of time. But in the beginning of his ministry, uh, we see that his cousin, John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a few months older than Jesus, and, and uh, he had gone off into the desert and was ministering out there in the, in the desert regions. And, and, and then up, up comes Jesus. And he recognizes who he is, but not because, you know, they're old cuz, you know, it's not like that. He recognized in his spirit who this is. And so I want you to see in, in, in John chapter 1, verse 29. By the way, the book of John was written by the apostle John. Don't get these two guys confused. And he's referring to John the Baptist. 1, 29. The next day... John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Amen? Yeah. Let me explain. So I said that on, Paso, on uh, uh, Passover lamb uh, week, this is the day that they would bring in the Passover lambs. They called it Pascal. Uh, what they would do was bring the lamb into the household and examine it for a season. This is the exact same day. It's not a coincidence that Jesus comes in at the same time. Now, remember, that was always uh, bloodshed to pay for sin. Something had to die for sins to be covered over. And so we see this in the scriptures in the Old Testament law over and over and over again. Uh, you, you had, all, I mean, tons of sacrifices, all kinds of various sacrifices, and every detail was covered. There was nothing left to guessing. There's no freestyling in, 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 in sacrifices. And so uh, you, you had all these sacrificial systems in place, and there was a sacrifice for the individual, and so they could bring a lamb to the, to the priest and say, I, I committed this sin. And, and they would lay their head on the lamb and symbolically transferring sin from themselves to the, to the animal. The priest would then sacrifice the animal. After the, the, the animal was killed, it would be put on the altar. All of this stuff, I mean, it gets very tedious and detailed. The book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We can get really detailed in this, and you're just like reading it over and over. Could you not just say ditto? <laughs> the same way as the last one is the same way as this one. Each little tiny detail. And, 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 and you know why it's all in there? Because every detail is important. You know why there wasn't just one sacrifice? Because the complexity of what Jesus did on the cross cannot be described in just one simple sacrifice. He did so much. But they would bring their, their animal for their individual sin, and that animal would be killed. Their sin would be covered over. Or the Day of Atonement, the priest would bring the animal before the nation, and, and, and the numerous animals would be killed. The nation's sins would be atoned for, covered over. So there was sin of the individual covered. There was sins of the nation covered. But then on Passover... 
Now, Passover was celebrating a particular day in Jewish history in which they were in Egypt. And and, and in Egypt, they were slaves and in bondage and in severe oppression. And and they were crying out to God. In Exodus chapter 2, God says, I see your tears. I hear your cries and I'm coming to rescue you. And he comes to rescue them. But the Egyptians, the the Pharaoh says, I'm not letting them go. And so plague after plague after plague. And then finally, this, this last plague God comes to Moses and he tells the nation of Israel, each family will take a lamb. And that family will take that lamb, bring it into their household, examine it. And then on this particular particular day, you will sacrifice that lamb. Put the blood over the doorpost of your home. And when the death angel passes through Egypt, it will pass over you. When it sees the blood, it will pass over your household. We... We used to sing a song, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And that's exactly what was happening when he sees the blood. When he sees the blood, it's all about the blood. Well, when the death angel comes through, sees the blood, passes over and and moves on and the Egyptians die and and the the Israelites didn't. And so then the the Egyptians are, are just distraught and say, get out of here. And so the people flee. And there's so much tied into this, all the salvation that's tied into this. But, but remember the first one, there was sacrifice for the sins of the individual. Second one, there was a sacrifice for the sins of the nation. And then finally, there was a sacrifice for the sins of the family. Passover. But look what John the Baptist said. John the Baptist sees Jesus and in his spirit, he is charged up and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Amen. Sins of the world. There was only a sacrificial system in the Old Testament law to cover the sins of Israel. But there's a whole lot of other people groups than just the group of Israel. And I'm one of them. And maybe you are. And Jesus is the Lamb of God who doesn't just cover over. Are you catching all the details? Are you catching all the little little finite details? It doesn't just cover over the sins. He takes away the sins. Amen. Amen. I'm glad because I have a bunch of, had a bunch of them. I had a bunch of them. Maybe I'm not the only one in the room, but you had a lot of them on your account. And Jesus says, I die in your place that your sins might be taken away. Amen. And so when Jesus comes on this Palm Sunday, it's actually the Sunday in which they're bringing in the lambs into the household. And, and here he comes into the, the city of Jerusalem as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Let's go and read what John the Baptist was saying about him at the beginning of his ministry. Verse 30, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel Therefore, I came baptizing with water. So there's a lot here. I'm not going to go into every detail. It kind of waters down the message. But uh, John the Baptist came preaching a baptism of repentance. And he said, y'all live in one way. You need to start living another way. Jesus' baptism was totally different than John's. Jesus' baptism was a baptism of salvation. John says, you need to turn over a new leaf. And Jesus comes along and says, I'm going to give you a new life. Amen. 
It's a totally different deal. And John says, I recognize that there's, this is him. This is the Messiah that we've been looking for. Verse 32, and John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, by the way, that would be God. Upon whom you see the spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen, John the Baptist says, and I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Amen. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. By the way, we know their names. There's another passage of Scripture, Andrew and John. They're standing there with John the Baptist. And John the Baptist said, basically, uh, I ain't it. He is. Y'all need to go with him. And John the Baptist, there he is. He's standing with Andrew and John. And in, in verse 35, again, the next day, he stood with the two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And he doesn't just cover over the sins of a few. He takes away the sins of all the world. Amen. That's what we're shouting about. Amen. That's what we're getting excited over. That Jesus, the sacrificial lamb, can take away your sins. I want to remind ourselves about this word, vicarious. Vicarious means one person acts as a substitute for another. One person acts as a substitute for another. Uh, in my short uh, teaching time, I played a substitute teacher a few times. Uh, it, was, it was a challenge. I, I felt sorry for those children. Uh, yeah. I, I would get called by the high school. Uh, we need a substitute today. Could you come? I'd, yeah, I'll come. I'll come teach. I get called from the junior high. We need a substitute today. Uh, no, I'm busy today. I'm sorry, I can't, can't make it to the junior high. <laughs> but you know what happens when they got me as a substitute? They got something less. They got something less than. They got something less than a real teacher. They got something less than their normal teacher. They got someone who just kind of held their attention for the hour while their real teacher was doing something different. You know what you... what. What happened when Jesus died in my place? I was the less. I was the one who could not fulfill the righteous requirements of God because I was sinful. But the sinless one, Jesus, could and did fulfill the righteous requirements of God. He died a vicarious death. He died in my place. Amen? The death that I should have received, he took on his own self. And even, even if, if you would have tried to save me by dying in my place, do you know what? Your, your payment, I would really appreciate you. I would really appreciate you. The problem was you couldn't save me. Why? Because you had your own sins. You had your own sins to, to, to uh, uh, cover for, and you sure couldn't cover mine. But Jesus, the one who died in my place, was the one who was born of a virgin, lived a virtuous life, and he was the Holy One who died as if he were a sinner. It was only his death that could cover for my sins and your sins. It was only his death. He could be the only substitute to die in our place. Amen. It's him. It's only him. I want to look in Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. It says, for when we were still without strength. In other words, 
when you didn't have the ability to save yourself. And by the way, you don't. You don't. You don't have the ability. When we were still without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Vicarious. He, his death was a substitute for my spiritual death. So he died in my place. And then verse uh, 8, I love verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Amen. Maybe you've heard that verse of Scripture before. If you've been here, you have. If you've been here for a season, you have. I remember when I was a, a, a little kid, I remember uh, I was given a Bible. It was blue. I know uh, it had my name on the front. And uh, I remember opening, somebody told me how to do this. And I opened to the, the, the first pages, the white pages. And I remember, and I still have it on the shelf. I wrote on there, start here. And I wrote down the page number and the, and the verse of scripture. And that was Romans 3.23. And so when I turned to that page, Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and, and then at the bottom of that page, I wrote down the next page number, Romans 5.8, the one we just read. And that God has demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? I, they, I think, somebody tell me if I'm wrong. I think we said that was loading your Bible. You were getting it loaded. And so at the bottom of that page, I would write down the next page number and the verse that went with it. And, and that was Romans 6.23. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? That's the verse of scripture that I use when I'm witnessing to someone and telling them about salvation. The wages. What are wages? It's what you earn. How many, of us sin, how many of us have sinned? All. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And because you sinned, you earned what? The wages of sin is death. But that's the bad news. That same verse has the good news. That's why it's called the gospel, the good news. And that is, but the gift of God. Amen. The gift. It's, I like gifts. I like gifts. Everybody like gifts? How about a God gift? That's especially great. The gift of God is salvation through Jesus Christ. So, so uh, at the bottom of that page, I wrote down the next page number. And that page number and that verse of scripture was Romans 10, 9. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Amen. And then on that same page, just a few verses down, it was Romans 10, 13. For all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. And we called that the Romans road. The Romans Road. And that was the verses of Scripture that were just all right there in the same neighborhood of how that you, a sinner, might be transformed and transferred, transformed from being spiritually dead, transformed to being spiritually alive, transferred from judgment to grace. Amen. There's only one way that could happen. Jesus died that vicarious death, that death in your place. You couldn't have paid this debt. It's far too large. It's far too large. You, you didn't have the means of paying it, but Jesus could and he did. Amen. Ain't you glad that he did? I want to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. And he died for all that those who live 
should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That's a powerful statement. Remember what John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And this passage of scripture says, he died for all. He died for all that those who live should no longer for themselves, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What is this essentially saying? It says, since he died for me, now I'm going to live for him. Amen. Have you ever made that decision? Have you ever made that choice that since he has died for you, now you've decided I'm now going to live for him? See, that's salvation. I started the sermon off by saying that what you know about Jesus and what you do with what you know will determine whether you are saved or lost. Well, it will determine whether you go to heaven or hell. It is essential. It's life and death. What you know about Jesus, it's not just that he lived. History will tell you that he lived. It's not that just that he is. The demons know that he is, and they tremble, the Bible says. But it is those who put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. Those are the ones who have been transferred from judgment into grace, and those who have been transformed from death to life. Amen. That's, that's us. Those who have called upon the name of the Lord, we're saved. And I don't fear judgment anymore. Praise God. I don't fear judgment because Jesus already received the judgment. So when he died on that cross, his last words were, it is finished. You know what else he could have said? Paid in full. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You couldn't have paid this debt, but he did and so now, every one of us has knowledge. So you, you, everybody in the room, I apologize, but not really. Uh, you now have knowledge that you're accountable for. You're now accountable for it. You now have a choice. You now know you have the knowledge of salvation. You have the knowledge, the, the facts that are so essential that Jesus was born of a virgin, lived a virtuous life, and died a vicarious death. You have that knowledge now. And so what you now have is a choice. What you now have is a choice. What you do with what you know. And so let me ask you, have you personally called upon the name of the Lord and have been saved? Galatians chapter 2, verse 21, it says that I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In the life I now live, I live by faith the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I now live by faith. Amen. I now live for Jesus. Since he died for me, I'm going to live for him. That's the choice. had a conversation two days ago with uh, guys, a couple guys, and, and man, they were, they, they were really trying. I felt like it was Stump the Preacher Day. I mean, I, I had them, it was two brothers. They were just firing them at me, just firing them at me. One question after that. And I love it because I love uh, when people are really seeking truth. And so I loved having that time. And, and yet, sometimes people aren't seeking truth. They're seeking an excuse. And, and I think one was and one wasn't. And the question was, well, if God is good, why don't he just eliminate Satan? 
That's a pretty good question, isn't it? And by eliminating Satan, uh, their, their line of thinking was by eliminating Satan, he would eliminate sin. That's actually not true because you were born with a sin nature. Satan could be gone. You'd still, you'd still sin. And, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, maybe it's not funny to you, but it's kind of funny to me that, that you can remove someone from, from a, a, a sinful environment. You could put them in an absolute sterile environment, such as a priest go, or a monk going to a monastery on some hillside with no contact with anybody. and They can't even speak. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to have dirty dreams at night. Maybe that offended you, but here's what I'm trying to say. You're born with a sin nature. So even removing Satan doesn't remove your sin. But their line of thinking was, let's say we remove, God removes Satan because he's good and, and now no one could sin. Why wouldn't God do that? Well, here's the truth of the matter is because he wants you to have a choice. Because if there's no choice, there's no love. If you, you were just a robot and you had to follow him, that you didn't have a choice, then could you even say that you loved him? Could you, 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 you didn't choose him whatsoever. You didn't have a choice. You just absolutely just had no choice and you just followed him. But you do have a choice and you do have knowledge and you do recognize that he did everything he could possibly do to save you. The question was, why would God send anyone to hell? That was the other question that this guy had. I said, he don't. He did everything he do to keep, could do to keep you out of it. It's your choice if you want to go to hell or not. Your choice. The, the old preacher saying is God bankrupted heaven. He gave everything he had to keep you out of hell. Hell, you weren't meant for hell. The Bible says hell was meant for the devil and his angels. It wasn't meant for you. And so, 2 Corinthians 5, 15, and he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but that, that we would live for him who died for us and rose again. I want to look at a passage of scripture. It's not going to be on the screen because I didn't give it to our gals in the back, but I'm going to read it. First uh, Timothy 2 and 4 says this, that God desires all men to be saved. By the way, it's all mankind, men, women, boys, and girls. God desires that all mankind to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So I said before, there are some things you need to know about Jesus. And what you do with what you know will determine if you go to heaven or hell. So you now have the knowledge. Have you made the choice to now live for him? The, the, that verse of scripture says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We're going to baptize in the next service. And when, every time I baptize someone, I say, Jesus is the Lord of your life. And most of the time they say, yes. And I'm like, no, you need to say it. <laughs> say it. And what are they saying? Jesus is Lord. He's my master. He's the boss. He directs my life. I live, I live life in his direction and, and in his will and in his ways. And have you made that decision? The things you need to know about Jesus. He was born of a virgin, lived a virtuous life. He died a vicarious death. He died in your place. You don't have to live under judgment any longer. I, uh, I want to point out uh, again that Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of God. 
What does that mean? Well, child of God, if you are a Christian, the next time no devil comes around and starts trying to work you over good with the guilt and the shame, here, let me just give you some, some tools for victory. You just remind him that you are no longer under judgment, but that Jesus Christ paid it all. Amen. He paid it all. That's his grace, that you don't have to fear punishment. You don't have to fear judgment, that Jesus already received it all on your behalf and my behalf, and now I live in victory. Praise God. Now, my response was a little less on the victory part because maybe you're still struggling for victory. Maybe you got some areas of hang-up in your life, some old hurts, some habits, some hang-ups. that They're still, man, they got you in bondage. Well, let me just tell you, you don't have to struggle for victory because you're fighting from victory. Jesus already won the victory. We're going to celebrate it next week when we celebrate our resurrected king. And so if you've made a decision to trust Jesus with your life, then I need you to understand this. You were transferred from judgment to righteousness. Maybe you don't feel very righteous. That was, a, that was a real hang-up of mine. There was a verse of Scripture, and now I've memorized it, and I quote it almost every Sunday, and that is 2 Corinthians 5.21. And God made him who knew no sin to become sin, vicarious death, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm like, Lord, I know me. I don't live righteous. Well, righteousness, righteousness is not an activity Righteousness is a positioning, and you were transferred from this, this sin-sick, earth-only, fleshly nature into the heavenlies, the Bible said. You transferred, you changed home addresses. Amen? And so what happened in this great transferring is that my sins were removed from me and put on Jesus. And his righteousness was put on me. Amen. And you, all who call upon the name of the Lord, are saved. So, virgin birth, virtuous life, vicarious death. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Isn't Jesus awesome? Aren't you glad to be saved? Amen. Those of you who don't yet know for sure that you are, don't leave here in that condition. We're going to have communion now, and you don't... You don't have to take it. If, if you're not a child of God, I'd encourage you not to. You don't have to be a member of this church to take it. But we're going to have uh, communion. Uh, we also call it the Lord's Supper. And uh, there's one around here somewhere. Let me come find one. Thank you, brother. And so I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Apostle Paul was teaching on communion. And he says in chapter 11, verse 23, for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. For you. Every person in this room, it was for you. Vicarious death, he died in your place. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's give thanks. Thank you, Father God. Your motive was love. For God so loved the world that he gave. 
his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You knew the pain, you knew the humiliation, you knew the, the, the garbage that was going to be slung at you. And yet you came anyway on our behalf. You died anyway for our sins, sins that you never committed. If there's anybody in all of history and all of current creation that could accuse God of being unfair, the only person is Jesus because he died for sins that he did not commit. And yet you, Lord Jesus, chose to die on our behalf. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We love you too. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The rest of this passage says, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. We first made reference to the old covenant. And in the old covenant, they had to sacrifice animal after animal after animal after animal. For every individual sin, another sacrifice had to be made. There were sins for the individual, or sacrifice for the individual, sacrifice for the nation, sacrifice for the family. But the book of Hebrews says he died once and for all. Amen. And then he told his disciples, this is the new covenant. Your Bible is split into two parts, Old Covenant and New Covenant. Testament means covenant. And Jesus is the fulfillment of the New Covenant. Now, the Old Testament law, he fulfilled every part of it. And because I am now in Christ Jesus, what does that mean? It means that I have fulfilled every part of it. And you fulfilled every part of it. If you are in Christ Jesus, that's why it's called good news. Amen. It is so good. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Remember what he did for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. What you did for us, saving us when we couldn't save ourselves. Thank you. We love you too. In Jesus' name, amen. He then says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The Lord's death, you proclaim it over your own life. You remind yourselves, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because I have been moved to a new position in Christ Jesus. And I did that because he died in my place. Amen. Proclaim his death until he comes, reminding yourselves, my penalty was paid in full by Jesus, and I am going to put my trust in him, my faith in him, and I am now going to live for him. Amen. Amen. If you would desire to, whatever your posture of prayer and praise, if you would desire to, you could stand with me as we pray and enter into ministry time. Father God, we thank you so much that you love every one of us individually. You know every fault, you know every sin, and it don't surprise you. It don't surprise you. You know who we are. You know every detail of our lives, and you still love us. 
And that while we were still sinners, God has demonstrated. It's not just spoken. It's not just written. It was demonstrated. You didn't just say, I love you. He said, I'm going to show you I love you. God has demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Thank you, Lord, for this great salvation. 